Wednesday of April. We're pretty excited about our talk today. Thanks everyone for joining. I'm Lucas Alvarez and I'm here with Meg Link and together we're hosting April's AIJ Atlanta Insider. Uh, we're both on the in-house committees, as you know, for the Atlanta chapter. I currently work for GNA. It's a sustainability consultant helping companies navigate their way to sustainability. And I'm a freelance graphic designer who does a lot of projects for in-house companies, for in-house. <laughs> so, you know, we've got experience there. So we have a great interview for you today with Tad Roberts. Tad is a creative lead at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta since 19, uh, 19, 2014. He's been responsible for refining and safeguarding <clears throat> its brand guidelines, as well as overseeing its strategic and creative messaging across print, digital, and social channels. He manages a multidisciplinary team of designers and external vendors providing guidance and direction to maintain consistent alignment of those visual standards. Tad has an unconventional journey to success in the field and we're excited to talk through his path today and highlight some of the important insights he found along his way. Before we dig into the conversation with Tad, we wanna thank our Atlanta AIJ in-house committee we're small but mighty. And if you work in in-house or have a vested interest in in-house and want to get involved, please feel free to reach out to me. Uh, you can find that on the AIJ Atlanta website and I'll also post in the chat later. I'm the chair on the board and the best person to contact to learn more. Check out my information online, like I said, at atlanta.aij.com and look forward to hearing from you. But until then, now I'll hand it over to Amy Mangan for the Market Minutes. Hi everyone, Amy Mankin from Robert Half, a marketing and creative. Excited to share the April Market Minute with you. Um, on the next slide, it is some fun news. Nike has confirmed officially that they are putting a digital tech hub in West Midtown and they're planning for that to open in early 2023. So I'm pretty sure we could expect to see some great uh, digital creative jobs coming out of that city. And then also um, in previous market minutes, I've shared um, some pieces from the 2022 Robert Half Salary Guide. We actually, because of the rapid change in the market, um, have put out some new pieces linked to the salary guide as well, because things have really continued shifting very quickly this year. And um, this piece below uh, is about increasing pay equity. So 56% of companies said that they've experienced pay compression in the last 12 months, and 62% of companies are actually planning to increase salaries for current staff um, in order to close wage gaps. We've got an errant kitty here. We've got to go. All right. So that's what's happening there. Uh, on the next slide, um, there's a bit of information just specific to remote working. So this is another new piece to the uh, salary guide revamp. So 59% of marketing and creative teams are saying that they're planning to continue working remotely throughout this year. 
Um, and then the bit in the bottom right is actually uh, like national numbers, not necessarily specific to creative, but basically 80% of companies say they do plan to continue hiring remotely in 2022. And 57% of C-suite folks are saying that it's part of their retention strategy, really, to make sure that that's um, built into their hiring and to um, you know the, the package for anybody who's already working with their company. Below that, there's some data about what the biggest benefits have been to remote hiring. So people were able to put multiple answers, but these were sort of the top responses. So 54% said they got a greater number of uh, candidates, of skilled candidates, really. Uh, almost half said they were able to meet uh, find candidates who met all their requirements because they were opening it up. And so it was a larger you know, pool of fish they were they were fishing it. Uh, 45% said they would see a little bit more uh, room for uh, compensation flexibility. And obviously that's re reflected by different local uh, market variances and cost of living. And then 34% said they were able to shorten their hiring process simply because they got more applicants, right? So more people going into the pipeline at the top allowed them to actually make an offer that was accepted more quickly at the end. So great. Um, remote hiring is not going anywhere, <laughs> basically the point of that. Um, on the next slide, um, a little bit more information about uh, just designing your digital creative team too. So 56% of creative managers are saying that they're planning to improve their UX um, for websites and apps throughout 2022. And then the top areas of digital design that um, employers are creating new roles for and putting a big focus on hiring for information architecture, user inter interface and interaction design, web and mobile design, as well as UX. Um, and then 40% of teams are saying they do plan to see increased digital marketing um, budgets as well to go along with that hiring. And then 40% are saying, although they want to hire in these areas, it's extremely difficult to do so. And we agree with that. The unemployment rate um, in March for college degree workers over the age of 25 is all the way down to 2%. That keeps getting lower month over month. Um, and the unemployment rate nationally just keeps driving down as well. So it is very tough to find good skilled people. Another reason to look remotely for talent because you may be able to find that person who doesn't sit in your city, but can jump in quickly and do the work. Um, and so if you would like more information on the new 2022 salary guide pieces relating to remote work and uh, designing your digital creative team, certainly feel free to reach out to me. My, my contact info is here and here. Um, and you can uh, touch base with me on LinkedIn as well. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Lucas. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. It's always good to hear uh, that the uh, remote working is continuing. I don't, I think it's going to be hard to put that genie back in the bottle, uh, especially with what you just said, being able to reach out to larger talents. So really great to hear. All right. And with that, I'm going to invite Ted to join us. Hey. Hey, welcome. All right. So I uh, want to thank you for being with us here today. Uh, it was a pleasure discussing your journey. Yeah. And accomplishments so far in your design career. Uh, for just some additional background on you, uh, Tad received his BA in journalism at the University of Arkansas, after which he bounced around Little Rock, Dallas, and Atlanta creating ads, displays, packaging, and TV spots for companies like Ford Motor Company, Frito-Lay, 
Gatorade, Jim Beam, Kellogg's, and Snapple. So a lot of really big brands. Uh, now he just lives a nurse throw away from Choa uh, with his brilliant wife, Kim, and their 10-year-old daughter, Sydney, and 15-year-old pup. Gotta include the full family, McGee. <laughs> um, but before we get too ahead of ourselves and I tell all your story, uh, let's go back to the beginning. And I'd, I'd love uh, to kind of talk about how you got in the design field. So if you could tell us a little bit about your journey through college and what got you into advertising in the first place. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I went to college to study advertising, but that was a hasty decision. It was a fateful decision, but uh, hasty uh, because dating back to fifth grade, if you had asked me what, be, what I want to be when I grow up, I would have said an architect. I loved uh, floor plans, um, landscape design, everything from an aerial view, you know. Uh, my parents equipped me with graph paper and mechanical pencils and T-square and all that fun stuff. Um, I just couldn't get enough of it. So um, fast forward to, I think 11th grade, my mom introduces me to a high school classmate of hers who's a professional architect. And in that five minute meeting, he redirected me to civil engineering instead, kind of scaring me off of advertising. He said, uh, that's a more lucrative career, one. Two, uh, architects don't make any money like until you're 40 years old when you establish yourself. So here I am, 16, looking at 24 years of poverty, right? Um, I don't know that that's what I want to do. So uh, instead of designing homes and businesses, uh, civil engineering, from what I understood, was like designing bridges and overpasses and maybe city planning. That seemed cool. So, um, so here I am in my senior year of high school. And uh, slowly, as I'm doing my discovery about this career, I'm coming to understand just how much math and science is required for engineering and uh, assessing whether or not that's what I, I want to challenge myself with the rest of my life. So um, by this point, senior year is wrapping up. I'm already committed, if you will, to the University of Arkansas. My parents are sending money to the University of Arkansas. Um, I chose that in part because, A, I wanted to four-year big college experience. B, I grew up on Razorbacks football and basketball, and I loved that. And C, they had a pretty stellar architecture program. So um, my school is already set. Now what am I going to study? Um, and I remember there was a movie, it must have been on HBO at the time, it was a Tom Hanks movie called Nothing in Common. And he played an advertising exec. And I mean, this is Tom Hanks at his most fun, you know, before big, but like after a bachelor party and the money pit and dragnet and stuff, uh, you can imagine he made advertising look really fun. Um, particularly the brainstorms and client pitch meetings. It just looks so inventive. It's, you know, you get to make up a story to sell a product. That's what me and my friends did in our free time for fun, you know, um, just making a pretend campaign pitches. So uh, I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. So anyway, I fast forward. Yeah, I love that though, just real quick. It's so funny that the small little things that will pivot you on your on your track uh, from that one 
uh, person mentor or whoever you were talking to just saying, well, no, you're going to do engineering. And you've been like, okay. And then you're seeing a movie and be like, you know what, that's actually what I want to do. It's just amazing. kind of letting your path kind of fold out. Exactly. If, if there's a theme to this talk, it's uh, everything happens for a reason, right? Uh -huh. So that chance encounter with this architect redirected the course of my life, right? So I'm going to Arkansas anyway. Um, the advertising curriculum was under the journalism major. So I'm a German journalism major. And as you can imagine, there's a lot of uh, writing classes. Um, uh, to creative writing as an elective, as well as like consumer behavior and promotional strategies and stuff. So it, it gave you a good overview of the advertising business, right? But um, where's my class on brainstorming? Um, then one fateful day uh, in advertising 101, I think, um, someone from university programs came to talk to the class. And they're the outfit that brings concerts and lectures and art exhibits and stuff to campus. And they were looking for um, student volunteers to help with promotion. So for whatever reason, I volunteer and it's someone there gave me a crash course in Quark Express, right? Uh -huh. And just a taste of Photoshop enough to scan in clip art. And I was tasked with building ads for university programs that would run in the student newspaper. So this is my first ad building, I guess. Um, and it was kind of reminiscent of working on the yearbook in high school, which I really loved. Mm -hmm. And um, you can draw a through line between, you know, what I loved about drawing floor plans, you know, the, the composition of yeah. layouts and design uh, through yearbook and into designing ads for the student newspaper. So after three or so semesters of doing that, I have a portfolio of tear sheets from the student newspaper. So it, I don't think it was until my senior year, like probably the spring semester of my senior year that I thought of pursuing a career in graphic design. So um, this portfolio got me my first job at Dillard's corporate headquarters, the department store was based, was based in Little Rock. So that's where I moved, um, landed the job as production artist. This was 93. Um, and they were doing kind of what Delta and Chick-fil-A have done in the past couple of years, is like creating an in-house agency, you know, the cost savings measure, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. um, so they had these old school art directors who would uh, by hand, you know, design catalogs and magazine ads and whatnot, but they needed a young whippersnapper who knew Quark Express to like bring it all together. So that was my role. And, um, I was probably thinking that, you know, in time they will groom me to become an art director and I can design my own catalogs. And uh, in this time, those art directors were being trained on how to use Quark Express themselves. Uh, desktop publishing, I think was kind of new at the time. So lo and behold, about 18 months in, um, these guys are up to speed on Quark Express and they don't need some knucklehead complaining about his $6 an hour salary um lobbying for more creative control so um my job is obsolete so i'm out on the streets at this point and uh fortunately i had some friends from ad club back in college uh, that were working at the state's largest ad agency at the time and they were working in media and they told me about an entry-level position on the media team and asked if i'd be interested and i said 
you had me at state's largest ad agency. <laughs> Hell yes, I'm interested. So, yeah. so I get in and uh, six months later, there's an opening for a production artist on the creative team. So I've got the foot in the door, right? So now my portfolio is not only student newspaper tear sheets, but like catalogs and stuff from Dillard. So um, I get the job and this is where my education really takes off, all right? So um, I'm a production artist, which means I'm building a lot of comps, um, mm -hmm. trimming a lot of things. I remember a lot of exacto and metal ruler work, um, but I'm also preparing files to release to print. Right. So coming across my desk are all the, um, well, everything from art directors and senior art directors and VP of creative, right? I'm seeing all their layouts before they go to print. And so I'm studying, you know, their composition, the use of fonts and photos and textures and white space and all of that. And um, it's just sort of a, uh, I don't know, sort of a, a wordless mentorship in a way. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so like you were able to like uh, see what these creative directors uh, and art directors, how they were kind of laying things out and that was kind of a catalyst for you to kind of understand how the industry was working at that time. Yeah, that was sort of my education on how you do it, you know, Very best cool. practices. Um, so in my, I don't know, three and a half years at CGRW in Little Rock, I had four titles. Um, media assistant, production artist, associate art director and art director. Um, and to this point in my life, I'd always viewed Little Rock as the big city, right? I, I grew up in Hot Springs and, you know, Little Rock had malls with escalators. And if you wanted to see a Bon Jovi concert or Bobby Brown, whomever, like you had to drive to Little Rock. Um, but now I'm visiting some high school classmates who'd moved out to Dallas. And I'm realizing, oh, okay, this is the big city, right? Um, like Madonna doesn't play Little Rock, Madonna plays Dallas, uh, Beastie Boys. Um, I'm a big music fan and sports fan, so just big city life is, is sort of my jam. So, um, and to be honest, like my love life was null and void in, in Little Rock anyway, so like let's try a new city. <laughs> so, I moved to Dallas and um, things start really taking off here. Uh, one of the first jobs I got in Dallas was with a promotional marketing agency. And this was a whole new language because to this point, um, I'd been using Quark Express almost exclusively, which young kids, it was the industry standard before InDesign was released. Um, and most everything I designed was square to some degree or rectangular, you know, mm -hmm. from different size ads and brochures and flyers, um, billboards even. Um, but this world of promotional marketing, it was uh, specifically, it was um, point of sale mm -hmm. advertising, right? So if you can imagine a convenience store, big box store, whatever, um, the point of sale has to be die cut, uh, maybe dimensional to capture your attention in a crowded, in a crowded field. So um, this agency had just won the Snapple beverages business. Uh, they'd want it on a campaign called win nothing instantly. It was super fun. Um, and so I was hired to like execute the, the promotion. Um, so that was super cool. Um, I was introduced to this new language, uh, shelf talkers, counter cards, ceiling danglers, cooler <laughs> stickers, 
end cap displays. You know, I'd never designed this sort of thing before. Um, and most everything needed to be designed in Illustrator because of the, the die cuts, right? So fortunately, there was a designer there who was really friendly and um, patient with me and kind of showed me the ropes and at least how to use this tool, the Illustrator. Um, so that was a great experience, but after 18 months, I was a bit burned out. Um, and I went to a boutique B2B agency. And this was very instrumental too. Like I said, everything happens for a reason. One, because their workflow process was like the most streamlined, the best practice I've witnessed and learned and experienced throughout my whole career. And I've tried to emulate that if wherever I go, if there's a chance to like overhaul the workflow process, I, I use their model. And that's also where I met my wife. And um, you know, we're going on 20 years almost uh, married together. Um, so um, again, 18 months later, I'm burned out. This is sort of a recurring theme. Throughout my 20s and 30s, uh, my average length of stay was probably about two years. You're either chasing more money or you're burned out or um, just bigger clients, whatever the case, right? So you kind of hop around. Mm -hmm. uh, find myself back at another promotional marketing agency. That's where I got to work on some of those big brands. 9-11 uh, happens. The economy starts to tank. Uh, there are rounds and rounds of layoffs. Ultimately, my position's compromised because people just aren't spending as much. So um, if you're keeping count, this is my second layoff. There's more to come, so stay tuned. Um, and we'll get into that a little bit more in the second half yes. of what we're talking about. But continue, please. Yes, yeah, yes. Love it. yeah. A, little pre a little preview there. Um, yeah. So my wife and I are married for about a little over a year at this point, and we see this opportunity as a springboard. Like our friends are either moving out to the burbs or like leaving the state altogether. So we said, "Hey, where do you say we move to another town? You and me against the world. Where do you want to go?" So um, we made our way out to Atlanta. That was 2004. So um, I should say the first place I went to try to find work was the creative group, plug, plug. Um, and they placed me at a great spot, but that spot wasn't looking to hire anyone full time. Um, so I bounced around a bit, um, found my footing at JWT, made some great connections there, made some lifelong friends, did some great work. Um, found my way to a sports marketing agency. Again, promotional marketing. Here I get to leverage my experience in um, promotional marketing, like point of sale displays, packaging, and consumer packaged goods. But all the promotions center around sporting events, right? So like Super Bowl, basketball tournament, college football. So it was like a, a dream job until it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> a little a quick question on that before we uh, keep going. So sure. in terms of point of sale, you know, it seems like, you, you know, you went from uh, layout design to ads to then uh, laying out an illustrator point of sale and then big point of sale. So it kind of seems like it all leveraged itself a little bit. But what were some of those transitions that you were going through? Uh, like, were, did you have to learn anything new, for example, when you went into the sports one uh, again, like you had to learn illustrator or were you like ready to go? And how did you kind of get into that? That's a good question. Um, I think around this time, um, I know dating back to Avery Foster in Dallas, we were um, 
starting to use um, web design software like Dreamweaver, mm-hmm. Fireworks, that kind of stuff. Um, at this point, you know, these promotions had to live online too. You know, ah, gone were the days where people would like scratch off a card and like fill it out on the backside and mail it in to enter a contest. They went online to enter the contest, right? So um, design thinking had to change. Um, Not only did you have this uh, consumer experience in the store, but um, you had to think of like, how does this translate to the website as well? Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been fortunate. It's both a blessing and a curse here at Children's too. And that I've been surrounded by people who are great at, digital design and bringing those ideas to life. Uh, the curse is that I'm not tasked with doing that myself. Um, my day is full and I, I don't necessarily have the time to as much as I want to, to like learn how to do, to bring all those ideas to life, you know, never yeah. learned to program. Um, but again, I've had the luxury of, of being partnered with people who do. That's a good point. I think that's another thing like, as our industry continues to evolve to keep an eye and an ear to what's happening and just to surround yourself with it, not necessarily even having to learn it all yourself, but to be able to speak the language to some degree, see how it's supposed to be done. So, you know, just always doing that is an important part of learning for our career and something to take from Tad's experience, I think. So just had to jump in there. All right. We can keep going back to, to the sports. Yeah. No, that's a good point. It's a good point. Um, so yeah, again, 2008, 2009, the economy's not doing so well. Uh, layoffs are popping off everywhere. And um, again, my position is compromised. So, you know, first time you're laid off, you think, oh, it's a, a lesson learned. Second time, man, if I didn't have bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Um, but the third time, you kind of have to start to look inward. Like maybe it's me. Um, so I did a lot of soul searching after that third layoff. Uh, and fortunately I didn't have a whole lot of, of time to like wallow in misery because um, I was laid off on a Friday. Uh, I got home, fired up Facebook, let the world know, hey, <laughs> I'm available. And um, I think within the hour, like uh, a client I'd worked with when I first moved to Atlanta, um, Kristen Sellier of ID8 Agency um, reached out and said, hey, we've got this client has a sports themed promotion and I thought of you, I thought you'd be great. So it was a lifeline. Um, it didn't stop me from soul searching because I had five and a half months before I had uh, gainful employment again, but um, I had a place to go that Monday morning and I'm forever grateful for Kristen for that opportunity. Um, so I was freelancing for about five and a half months. Um, and those last two months were pretty dry. So I started to panic. Um, I was married and my wife's doing great in her career. She's the brains of the, the unit. Um, but you know, the fragile male ego, I just, you know, you, you've taught to be a provider and I just want to carry my weight. Right. Um, so fortunately my church, had it's a pretty big church in Buckhead. They had an opening for a graphic designer. Actually, I think it was production artist. But I threw everything I had into it. Like I need gainful employment. Um, I know people there. That's mm-hmm. a head start. Um, and they had offered a 401k. You know, there's all the things I need to kind of get grounded again. And 
Lucas, I could talk another 15 minutes about what a great experience that was. Um, not only the people I worked with, but the creative freedom we had, uh, the variety of audiences that we had in just in that church. Um, and what did my mom, my mom said I was doing the Lord's work. So, you know, making mom get better than that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, this this is part of our second conversation, so we can just go into this. I think it's really good about your transitions, about the new perspectives, and about particularly the church job that you're talking about. So why don't we just move into that and kind of talk about how that church job provided you what you're talking about now and what it provided you compared to your other jobs and why that seemed to be a really good fit for you. Right. Well, like I mentioned, great creative freedom, uh, great people. Um, and had I not been humbled by the layoff, had I not sought this opportunity at an in-house agency, when the opportunity to work at Children's came along, I'm pretty much certain I would not have jumped from, you know, senior director at a sports marketing agency, working on global brands to graphic designer at Children's. Nothing against Children's. It's just in my head, like I was an agency guy and this is what I do. Um, so everything happens for a reason. I was meant to have that experience at the church. Um, I was open when children's came calling, um, grateful for the opportunity. Um, and my past experience uh, in promotional marketing kind of helped me with this particular campaign that I was brought in to work on. Um, so it was just good all around. Um, like I said, in that, that, I don't know, two and a half years um, of soul searching and, and looking inward at like, okay, like how do I project myself? Am I as good a designer as I should be? Am I showing up daily? Am I carrying my load? Um, what can I be better at? What am I good at? Um, and looking for opportunities to sort of uh, shine a light on the things that I am good at, right? Yeah. And we'll, we'll touch on how I feel about working at Children's later, but that's ultimately where I netted out. And this is a great place for me. Um, but I don't know, did that, did that answer your question? Yeah, I think there's a few other things, too, that we had talked about earlier. For example, one of, one of your passions that you didn't explore as much was branding, particularly. And you got to do a little bit of that in the church. So that was a cool uh, anything you want to talk about in terms of kind of expanding again your your breadth of knowledge uh, uh, and then also how when you moved into that in-house experience uh, it kind of like you were talking about already but realigning your priorities you were saying in terms of what you're actually looking for compared to what you imagined you were looking for previously right right yeah that role um because it was a small department right we were we did everything from soup to nuts right yeah and you had to be and you had to be egoless um, so this was just a good cleansing period for me, uh, sort of shedding my ego um, and what maybe what I thought of myself as a designer at that point in time, um, being blessed with the opportunity to have such creative freedom. Um, but we got back into some of the production art, right? Like uh, we did a lot of signage around the church. Um, so I'm trimming out posters. Um, I'm learning how to do some production. This church had a four color press in its basement i mean it printed a lot of stuff and then they had a large format printer as well so we could print these you know 
24 by 36 posters, trim them out, post them around. Um, so that was a great experience too, just back to being hands-on. Um, that reminds me of like when you originally were setting up layouts and then now you get to do it in a more yeah. modern way and you get your own printer and that's pretty sweet as a, as a designer. Yeah. Everyone loves that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that was really cool. And um, I get to work with on a daily basis, one of the people I worked with at the church, like, uh, I, I don't know if this is fair or not, but I said that she and I both sort of got chewed up and spit out of the ad agency. Like she was an ad agency lady herself. Um, and we were sort of rescued by the church and, and found each other. And I got spun out of that cycle first, got this opportunity at Children's. And then when I got in a position to hire someone, she was the first person I called and we're working together again now. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, so, um, coming to children's, uh, I was hired as a graphic designer and, uh, after about a year promoted to senior graphic designer, um, we were working on this campaign called strong for life. It's evolved a bit now. It's, it's less about, um, trying to reverse childhood obesity and, and I can't even accurately describe all that they, they cover now, but <clears throat> about a, two and a half years in, um, I had the opportunity to step into the creative manager role over the broader marketing team. And uh, so I go from having never had direct reports to having seven direct reports, plus two, what I call permalance, two contractors who worked about 32 hours a week. So we had a staff including myself of about 10. Um, so that was an adjustment, but I credit Children's for allowing me the opportunity and also equipping us with um, manager essentials like training. So you're not going into this blindly, right? Um, there's a lot of education on um, situational leadership and, and things like that. That was very beneficial. And I'll touch on something um, that sort of pertains to the last question. We talked about layoffs, right? Yeah. Four times in my career, the position I applied to, the position I was hired for was eliminated. First at Dillard's, then at TPN in Dallas, CSC in Atlanta. And again, the creative manager position was eliminated at Children's when they reorganized the marketing department. Only this time, I was not eliminated. So that was... Um, another lesson in humility and sort of underscored what I think is one of my better traits. Um, Bruce Lee has this quote, uh, calm is a superpower. And I think being easy to work with is probably my superpower and approachable and having a can-do attitude. You think those, those are like table stakes, right? But mm -hmm. you'd be surprised. Um, and probably looking back on my time at CSE, maybe I wasn't so easy to work with. You know, maybe that's part of what led to my dismissal. Um, they were very nice about it. Every time I was let go, it was always like, oh, I'm so sorry, Dad. I hate to do this business decision. But, um, you know, it happens three times. It's like, come on, it's, there's something, something wrong here and something I need to fix. Um, but no, this has been a great experience. I've actually been here 10 years, uh, eight, seven or eight in the uh, creative leadership role. Um, 
But like I mentioned, the, the team was reorganized. Um, we don't have a creative team per se anymore. We are now the content strategy and distribution team. So it encompasses more parts, right? We're more versatile yeah. now. Uh, we still have designers um, who are hybrid designers, you know, both print and digital. We're bringing along uh, a new guy next week. Um, and we're excited about that. He brings with a lot of experience in digital design and programming as well. And we're going to have capabilities that we didn't have before. Um, <clears throat> so I need to learn how to speak his language and learn how to talk to him as his uh, direct supervisor. You know, I need to be able to know um, what I'm asking of him and mm -hmm. how to gauge its success. Um, so that's another professional growth opportunity. That's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so again, continuing your path forward. And I'd just like to say, you know, let, uh, thank you for being vulnerable and talking about these, these experiences, because I think people can relate to that, even if it, it's a fear or it's something that's happened to them. And it's not something that is going to crush you. It's something that uh, redefines you, adds uh, complexity to you and shows like resilience, highlights the fact that adaptability is paramount to success. It's not really about your path was perfect or you had a vision of the a to b and we've talked uh, about the, these paths constantly with all these uh, different creatives throughout atlanta and it seems to be no one ever has i mean maybe like the five percent but a clear a to z path like they know exactly what's going to happen because these experiences that you're going along the way are helping to find those things and teaching you the things that you need you didn't know necessarily so, I mean, I think it's it's just really nice to hear about this and it's cool to hear how it comes back to success overall. So uh, just want to thank you about that. Yeah. Um, and I guess now uh, we started talking about Shoa and you you've already answered a lot of my questions uh, about specifically your transition and your jobs before, which we might go back and touch on. But I think now what we can move into kind of leading your team and uh, kind of talk about how, how you successfully lead the team. Um, you know, there's a lot of different forms of management. You have your specific one leading with calm, collective, uh, and also a, an open mind to learning. Um, so now you, you also mentioned you've been there over eight years in the management position. You've seen a lot of change because there was a lot of change. Like you just described your job uh, transitioning as they consolidated and changed. So, I just want to talk a little bit about those key components of your department, who you work closely with, and kind of we can go from there about how you define it for the future. Sure. So, um, so my title is creative lead, but it should probably be should probably be design lead. Um, in the transition, we phased out a, a traffic manager, so a lot of what I do today is also um, resourcing, uh, sort of distributing jobs, as well as creative oversight and design. Um, our team services uh, the marketing team, external communication, which includes social media and PR, as well as internal communication. <clears throat> they are focused on the 11,000 plus employees at Children's, right? So there's a lot of communication um, and attaboys and, um, all that kind of stuff with internal comm. Um, and there's also the foundation, which is our fundraising arm. Um, all their work 
is funneled through the marketing team. But um, as you can imagine, a nonprofit, one that is building a, a fancy 19-story hospital, right. um, just yeah. yeah, just down the street, um, relies on a lot of fundraising. So um, we speak to a lot of different audiences. Um, Children's has also made an effort in the past few years uh, to achieve national preeminence. Like we've got a great offering of services here in the state of Georgia and we serve the whole state, but um, our services are world-class and we need to get the word out, right? Um, so not only our people, let them know that like, you know, let's say your child is diagnosed with some uh, heartbreaking condition and, you know, it's a parent's nature to research like where, who's, who's the best in the business, where should I take my child? And children's is right in your backyard. We're not just, you know, um, a daycare center. It's like world-class services are, are, are going on here. Um, so we're getting our physicians out to national conferences and having them speak. So there's, there's a lot of communication um, sort of popping up our uh, research offerings. We have partnerships with Emory and Georgia Tech and Morehouse and leveraging those um, as well as patient communications, right? Let's mm -hmm. say you have a child and they're brought to children's diagnosed with something you've never heard of. You want to get to speed. Uh, sure, you can go Google what it is, but um, children's tries to provide robust information. Um, so that's one of our streams as well. Um, and trying to dispute the myth that children's is for like strictly for broken bones and babies and toddlers. We see patients up to age 21, particularly um, like sports orthopedics is going after that teenage market because um, a lot of parents, like should something happen with their child with some sort of sports injury, they're probably inclined to take them to an adult hospital, but children's like 24 seven works with people with growing and developing bodies, you know, growing mm -hmm. bones um, and they're best served to work on, you know, your teenager and they might have like some sort of hyperextended whatever. Um, but anyway, so, so we've got all those different audiences that we speak to as well as the internal audience I mentioned of 11,000 employees, you know, uh, yeah. trying to keep everyone happy and engaged. So. Yeah, I think that's really interesting too. I mean, going back to uh, kind of starting in the advertising world and moving into in-house world, I think you kind of discover a lot of these positions that like, like you're in uh, that it's their niche markets, but also apply to a lot of people that you don't necessarily think of first when you're like, when I'm going to graphic design, I think of Nike poster, like we were talking about earlier from Amy that coming in, but there's such a need for designers to be able to share what you're talking about for companies that do amazing work, purposeful work. And it's nice to hear, you know, the, the dedicated resources that Joe has given to that, obviously. And then also there's a lot of companies out there for anybody listening uh, to kind of, you can take these jobs and make them uh, sh shine, basically. You know, it, it, it's not all about the, the fancy ad, but 
getting the message out to that mother in need to talk about how they can go to Choa for these things is super important. And there's a, there's a million other examples of their, of stuff and businesses out there that do things like that. So just to keep in mind that those are, those are really valuable and something uh, to look forward. Yep. So I did, yeah, I just had to comment on that. Um, but very cool. Uh, you're doing awesome purposeful work. So that's always nice to hear. And I think I want to talk a little bit about your team, if we can, about how you keep them motivated. You know, uh, you have a lot of, there's a lot of employees, but your team's a little bit smaller. Uh, I think you said about 10 people. Is that correct? Or? Well, yeah, I've managed just a team of three. Oh, uh, see, um, even small, yeah, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> but we're in a team of about 10 people. Yeah. Um, yes, I'm very fortunate and blessed. Uh, two of the designers, I have a third starting next Monday. The two designers I have on staff now are so driven and uh, motivated self-starters. Um, they don't require a kick in the pants at all, you know, like if anything, telling them to slow down, you know, um, you don't have to take on so much. Uh, so they're fit. They're fantastic to work with and make my job easier. Um, one designer just celebrated 16 years with children's. So she knows she's forgotten more about children's than I'll ever know. Um, and then uh, another designer has been here, I think it's either six or seven years. So they know all the ins and outs. They know where all the bodies are buried. They know where all the, the files, uh, outdated files are kept. Um, and how they've done it, they've seen everything and, and done it uh, with much success. So there's no project I'm afraid of putting before them. Uh, there's nothing they can't tackle. So that's exciting. That's <laughs> so all that cool. to say, it makes my job really easy in terms of allocating jobs, um, you know, managing resources, uh, providing creative oversight, um, overseeing brainstorms when when they happen that sort of thing that's uh what my role entails um so, uh, on that note uh yeah overseeing the, the management of the brainstorm that's awesome going back to your original wanting to brainstorm uh so it's great that you're getting to do that of course and it's an integral part of being a creative lead um, but what about the work-life balance? Because we talked a little bit about that too and how important that is. So how do you manage that and what is your, your balance with your team? Um, well, that's one of the, the things I've learned. Um, I think you had asked in one of our previous meetings, like a difference between agency life versus in-house and the work-life balance is probably the best benefit. Um, if nothing else, there are no new business pitches, you know, um, no RFPs <laughs> at 4.30. Um, so no, by and large, um, we work kind of a nine to five schedule uh, on occasion. There's something that might require work, like, you know, when COVID happened, of course, there was sort of states of emergency uh, from time to time. Uh, when there's a flu outbreak, we need to get some messaging out pronto or anything else that might affect Georgia's children, um, but those instances are few and far between. Um, so uh, you asked earlier about how to uh, motivate the team. Um, we have a team meeting each Monday and <clears throat> once a month, a different team member, and this is the broader team, like 10 of us, uh, someone is uh, inspired to bring in something either cool or useful to share with the team. And it doesn't have to be marketing related. 
It can be anything. Um, so that usually sparks a conversation and we kind of think outside the box a bit. Um, and I can't think of an instance right now, but surely there were times when something that came from that meeting sparked an idea yeah. uh, that we executed elsewhere. Um, so that's one avenue. Um, I encourage everyone to, you know, just keep up to speed on what's happening and whatever your favorite design site is. For me, it's Dribble. I like illustration, I like 2D illustrations. I love Dribble, Design Inspiration. Um, we wow. subscribe to Adweek. Yeah, we try to keep up to speed on what's going on. Very cool. And another part that you told me about that I think is a big part that we haven't touched on is kind of like passion projects. And we hear that a lot too with creative leads and in general with the teams, uh, best creatives usually are involving themselves, uh, not just in what they're doing at work, but also being able to apply themselves in something that they really are truly just passionate about and not necessarily for money. So yeah, is there any uh, light that you can shine on the passion project stance and with your team? Yeah, we did something really cool a few years back. Um, you've, you're familiar with Art on the Beltline? Yes. So we threw our hat in the ring for that and got accepted and got a really great placement. Um, we did what we called an inspiration totem. So it was uh, a, a pole with three cubes stacked and uh, there was a torso on four sides. There were legs on four sides of another cube and upper body on four sides of another cube, right? Yeah. And they were all different professions, activities from a ballerina to an astronaut to a nurse, whatever. And we inspired kids to like, just align the cubes to create what you are, you know? Um, maybe you're a ballerina on the bottom with the tutu and the tights, um, but you're an astronaut on top of, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. So that was a super fun uh, passion project to carry out. Um, but personally, the work-life balance affords you creative time. You know, if you're leaving work at five o'clock and I'm in a good position because I can walk home, um, series of three turns and one song gets me home. Um, and I still have the creative energy to pursue uh, a passion project. I just started writing children's books. Well, I've been writing children's books. I just started producing a children's book. Shout out to Chip Waller. I think he's tuning in today, phenomenal illustrator and graphic designer in his own right. He's illustrating uh, my first children's book. And I don't know that I would have had the time and energy to do it um, were I not working in an environment like this um, that afforded us that focused time. Yeah, I mean, you go back to um, true value, I think, and you look at like, if, oh, if I was at an advertising agency, maybe you could be making uh, one and a half times or something like that. But then you, you also have to factor in that fact that, oh, yeah, but you'll be working till 8 p.m. every night and then you lose so much more maybe than that, that value. So, yeah, I, I mean, being able to explore that passion. I mean, I, I personally do it. Uh, I know most creatives that I've talked to uh, who have been successful are doing something that they just love outside of it it really re-energizes you to then push that back into the work that you're doing. And you're doing two things at once so you can kind of bounce those ideas and somehow they'll relate just like the brainstorming you're talking about. Like 
if, if I saw a cool video game and there's a graphic in it that could inspire an ad like that, that's, that's the connection, the cycle of open-mindedness uh, that really promotes the creativity. So it's awesome to hear you're doing that. And children's books, another great purposeful thing. So I'm excited to see that when it launches. One other note on that point, um, we have the stuff, someone on our design team and we're about to have a second one who are like really big into comics. Um, and this particular um, employee who celebrated 16 years recently, uh, she moonlights at Joanne Fabrics, I think so that she can um, outfit her costumes. Uh, <laughs> she creates her own costumes and attends, you know, the Dragon Con. She attends Comic-Con every year. Um, and there was an opportunity a couple of years ago to, uh, we had Tiny Doors create these installations at um, two or maybe three of our hospitals. And we wanted to sort of celebrate it. So we created our own comic book. Um, with Hope and Will as the lead characters. And she got to like take on that project, had complete creative control. And so it was an opportunity to kind of marry, you know, her passion outside of work into um, a project here at work. Perfect. Yeah, that's a perfect example too of how like, uh, if you're doing this, these passion projects, it's just going to advance. There, You don't have to force the opportunity to occur. Eventually there's going to be something where it can apply. And, and then it's really awesome. So very cool. Um, all right, well, we're getting pretty close to the end here. So I have some end conversation questions. Uh, right. I think I'll, I'll start with this one a little bit heavier, um, but not, not heavy, just I think more on a serious note. Uh, you know, what do you think is some good advice for someone who's either feeling burnt out or who maybe just got let let off, uh, laid off, what is something that you would tell them right now? Um, that's a, that is a heavy question. Um, <laughs> it's a good one. If, if nothing else, you know, um, hang in there, um, you know, look inward, find out this is an opportunity maybe to take a breath and uh, figure out what you want to do, what makes you unique, you know, where can you shine somewhere and, and you're probably looking to get gainful employment again, because you got a mortgage to pay for or, or rent to pay. But, um, you know, also pursue whatever it is uh, that you specialize in. Uh, for me, I was fortunate to find this opportunity um, with the creative, the work-life balance that it provided, because I started <clears throat> here in January and my daughter was born in March that same year. So to have that, uh, it was just a, perfect opportunity for me it there's all sorts of factors as I mentioned earlier as to like what led me to children's but I think um achieving that work-life balance finding this place was the right thing for me so um I don't know that that's sage advice um one thing I'll, I'll just regurgitate sort of a cliche but it's it's not how many times you get knocked down but how many times you get up that's what's most important I think that's important here. Yeah. And I think, again, yeah, it that redistribution uh, alignment of what you're good at and what you want to do, I think, uh, like, as you've illustrated and explained through your story, is what's going to get you where you actually want to be. So what was previously not working wasn't working for a reason. So it, you'll find it by continuing, awesome. not by stopping. Yeah, I love yeah, that. That's a good point. 
Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, we're basically, and I would love to know, because you're a big sports guy, what your favorite sports team is. So last question I'll ask there. Um, everything Arkansas Razorbacks, like whatever the sport, men's, women's, love all of it. Yeah. Awesome. Razorbacks it is uh, from the very yes. beginning. That's right. Well, <laughs> thank you so much, Dad. That was fantastic. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Uh, I think you gave a lot of good insights, and I, I think we had a lot of good chats going on on the side. So thanks again. And yeah, we look forward to talking to you more and seeing more. Well, thank you. Before you sign off, Lucas, I know how much time you and Amy and Meg put into this. So um, as longtime listener, first time speaker, I want to thank you for all that you do at the time that you commit to uh, ATL Insider. Thank you. Thank you, Ted. We really appreciate that. And we'll keep going. So <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. All right. Well, have a great rest of your day, everybody. Thank you.